When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains audio extracted from videos on the Harry Potter Theory YouTube channel. Hey everyone, welcome to another installment of Harry Potter Theory. Today, we're going to be discussing the Death Eaters. Specifically, what happened to them after the Second Wizarding War. After the Battle of Hogwarts, there was only one thing that mattered. Lord Voldemort was dead. And with his end, the Wizarding World was finally free from the terror that shook it to its core for the past few decades. But killing Voldemort didn't solve every problem that Harry Potter and his Wizarding friends faced, because there were still plenty of Death Eaters alive and well, and nobody knows what exactly came of them. Today, we're going to take a look at a handful of the most dangerous Death Eaters from the Battle of Hogwarts, and try our best to figure out where they ended up. Amicus Caro when Lord Voldemort led the coup against the Ministry of Magic, he used his newfound power to install his agents in positions of power across the Wizarding World. One of these agents was Amicus Caro, a prominent Dark Wizard who had once fought alongside the Dark Lord during the First Wizarding War in the late 70s. Like Lucius Malfoy and many other Death Eaters who've survived the First War, Amicus didn't spend his days searching for his master, Lord Voldemort, in defeat. Instead, he simply passed the years hiding in the shadows, alongside his sister, Electo. It wasn't until Lord Voldemort regained a proper physical body, thanks to Peter Pettigrew's potion, that Caro came back to the fold. After which, Amicus rejoined the Death Eaters in their reign of terror across Britain, eventually culminating in Caro's appointment as Professor of Defense Against the Dark Arts at Hogwarts. But in the aftermath of the final battle there, when Voldemort was killed by Harry Potter, where did Caro end up? Conventional wisdom would point to Azkaban. Just like the Death Eaters from the First Wizarding War, the Dark Wizards from this conflict were being sent back to that Wizarding prison to serve life sentences. But what if Caro got away? Amicus was born into a wealthy and high-esteemed pure-blood family. If he could only put a bit of space between himself and the Ministry's auras, he surely had the means to escape. If, somehow, he managed to escape from Ravenclaw Tower, where he was tied up during the Battle of Hogwarts, Amicus could have slipped away, never to be heard from again, especially if he had the help of his sister. Electo Caro Electo Caro was Amicus's sister, and shared a similar fate. Just like her brother, Electo was one of the most important Death Eaters during Voldemort's campaigns in the Second Wizarding War. As the Dark Lord slowly eroded away the Ministry of Magic's legal powers, Electo carried out missions to keep the rest of the British Wizarding World too afraid to fight back. Eventually, she earned herself a professorship at Hogwarts, under the direction of its new headmaster, Severus Snape. But after a tumultuous career there, Electo's tenure ended with the Battle of Hogwarts. Along with her brother, she was bound in Ravenclaw Tower. Since she didn't partake in any of the famous showdowns in the lower chambers of the castle, there was a small sliver of time that Electo could have escaped. 
With Amicus at her side, it wouldn't take much for the Dark Witch to navigate above the ruins of Hogwarts and find a route. Perhaps they would have charted a course through the Forbidden Forest and found the train tracks that looped around the woods. That would have put the siblings on a path directly for Voldemort's camp though, and they would have undoubtedly joined their master in his final siege of the grounds. But if they managed to avoid him, it's unlikely that the Ministry or its auras could have done much to prevent the Carrows from living the rest of their lives with new identities. Augustus Rookwood Augustus Rookwood was one of Voldemort's most formidable allies, and by the time of the Second Wizarding War, one of his oldest. Rookwood served a unique role within the rank of the Death Eaters. He was a mole within the Ministry of Magic. Of course, for Voldemort to succeed in his campaigns against his fellow wizards, he needed to lure many influential Ministry workers to his cause. But Augustus was special because he worked in the Department of Mysteries, the very place that held the secrets of thought, love, time, and death. The latter was a concept that Voldemort could never really grasp, and by Albus Dumbledore's own declaration, it was the one thing that Voldemort feared above all. It's not hard to imagine that Augustus's position as an unspeakable in the Ministry of Magic was one of Voldemort's most prized acquisitions, and perhaps Augustus's research contributed to Voldemort's own resurrection. During the Battle of Hogwarts, Augustus met his match when he took on Albus Dumbledore's younger brother, Aberforth. Augustus was stunned in the confrontation, and just like the Caro siblings, his story ends there. Most assumed he died or was quickly ferried off to Azkaban, but what if he wasn't? We already know a lot about Augustus's past. As an unspeakable, he had access to ancient, arcane knowledge and cutting-edge research. Besides helping Voldemort get his hands on the prophecy of Harry Potter, Augustus, as we mentioned earlier, might have learned much more. If Rookwood were able to somehow avoid the trip to Azkaban, he could have slipped away, just like Death Eater sympathizers who continued their mundane lives in the aftermath of the battle. But unlike those others, Augustus might have continued to fight for the cause, and more, continued his research. By their very nature, the Unspeakables were a mystery, but even though we don't know much about their job and the unique magical talents they possessed, we can be certain that Rookwood had knowledge of not only the Death Chamber, but the Time Chamber as well, at least during his time working at the Ministry of Magic. If he managed to escape, it wouldn't be too far-fetched to imagine him alone trying to recreate a new stock of Time Turners, like the ones destroyed during the Battle of the Department of Mysteries. If he were ever able to make one, perhaps he would have gone back in time and prevented Voldemort from attempting to kill Harry Potter in the first place, like the Dark Lord's own daughter, Delphi, would eventually do in The Cursed Child. Fenrir Greyback Fenrir Greyback might seem like a run-of-the-mill Death Eater, but he actually wasn't. He worked closely with Voldemort and his Dark Wizards, but Fenrir actually wasn't officially part of the crew. Instead, the werewolf allied himself with Voldemort because they shared a common goal, overthrowing the existing power structure in the wizarding world. Fenrir, just like Tom Riddle, had a problem with wizards. They held a prejudice against werewolves and treated those infected with lycanthropy as a type of vermin that terrorized their communities. Fenrir was not only offended by that ideology, but enraged and he made it his personal goal to infect as many wizards with lycanthropy as possible, 
so that he could create an army large enough to undo the Ministry of Magic. But that all came to a halt during the Battle of Hogwarts. There, Ron Weasley and Neville Longbottom beat Fenrir, and in the aftermath, it's likely that the werewolf was bound in magical chains and escorted into a cell in Azkaban, if he wasn't killed in the battle. But what if Fenrir survived too? By the end of the battle, his legion of werewolf converts would have been decimated, Dumbledore's army would have made sure of that, so Fenrir would need to rebuild. But he couldn't go about it as brazenly as he had during Voldemort's rise to power. Now, Fenrir needed to revert back to the shadows and live his life in secrecy. If he was smart, Fenrir would have avoided the entire wizarding community altogether, which meant that, in order to grow his werewolf army, Greyback would need to do the very thing he despised, hunt muggles. Fenrir might have stayed in England in order to achieve his goals, but with the magical community strengthening under Harry Potter's victory, it would only be a matter of time before wizards and witches started to notice a surge in muggle-born werewolves. If Fenrir was smart, then he would flee the country and charge for a course towards a more unstable part of the world. Perhaps that would lead Greyback into the east, to the rural towns that dotted the old Soviet bloc, or maybe farther, to the war-stricken steppes of Chechnya. There, Fenrir could hunt to his heart's content, but unlike wizards and witches, which were his typical victims, he needed to be much more careful with muggles. Without magic at their side, the muggles needed to depend on modern medicine to heal themselves, and it wasn't always up to repairing werewolf maulings. If Fenrir were able to build a true army of werewolves, with thousands and thousands of members, it's likely he would have turned his sights back on the Ministry of Magic in England. As we know, his goals were aligned with Voldemort, bringing about a new order. While the Second Wizarding War devastated the wizarding community, perhaps Fenrir's new one, the Werewolf Rebellion, could have been even worse. And that's it for this video. If you enjoy the content, please like the video and subscribe to the channel. As always, leave your video suggestions down below. Until next time, remember, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live.